0: I am your brother, but not the same way, so, just so we're clear. I know, we look like twins. People have actually asked that. We are not like twins at all, though, so. It's a great pleasure to be here uh, with you tonight. Um, It's been a little while, and it is always a joy to see your faces. Let's uh, ask the Lord to bless uh, our time in his word. Our Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to have two meals today. And we pray that you would feed us. Lord, we can never get enough of you. We can never get enough of your word. And we ask that you would hear our cry. That you would bring your word into us. That you would nourish us with it. That you would encourage us, strengthen us, and fix our eyes on you. That we may go forth this week as your servants, as your sons, as your daughters. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Our passage tonight is found in the Gospel of Mark, second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 2. I'll be reading the first 12 verses. And again, he, that is Jesus... Entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through... They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus among themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, it sounds as though you've been well-fed this morning. Pastor Mazzino's friend and mentor of mine, and I'm sure he did an excellent job of feeding you. And it seems as though... I'm not certain, but based on his text, you may have already heard something of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So if there is any doubling up, then I'm going to assume that you need double the dose, because the Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes when he brings texts to mind. Has Jesus ever disappointed you? It's not a catechism question, it's a real question. Has Jesus ever disappointed you? let you down? Have you ever doubted that he is who he says that he is? He knows our hearts and he knows our fears and he came to make himself known, to address those in us, in his earthly ministry. His ministry included, as you all, many of you may know, show and tell. He, uh, he loved to be able to show the truth and then explain it. And oftentimes, as he was explaining it with his teaching, it involved riddles that needed to be unpacked. And some weren't unpacked until he was gone. <laughs> and we're still unpacking them, even today, with the Spirit's help. And he did this so that he could make himself known, so he could make the Father known. And he did this to those whom he wanted to do it to when he needed to, and according to his father's purposes. Jesus loved to do what his father called him to do. No more, no less. So tonight we're looking at a miracle that's a parable that has a riddle. We're looking at a miracle that has a parable that includes a riddle. And our focus is going to be on this riddle, which is easier to say. But there's a setting to the riddle that is what makes it make sense. So we're going to first talk about the setting. Before we get to the riddle, we have to understand the setting. The setting begins with a man in desperate condition. A condition that many of us are not very familiar with. He's bedridden. You notice Jesus says, take up your bed. This man was carried around on his bed. Can you imagine the implications of that? He never left it. If he was going to go anywhere, it had to be not just the place where he rested; it was the place where he lived. His his inhabitation, his habitation, was uh, uh, was about the size of this table, probably. That's how far he could get. He's in a desperate condition, and his friends—oh, these are wonderful friends. We could spend a long time talking about these wonderful friends who carry this man to Jesus. But what is it that his friends recognize? They recognize his desperate condition. How do we know that? Well, you don't disassemble someone's roof if you have other options. Unless you're a really bad contractor, and I've known some of those, and and they disassemble roofs and then figure out they shouldn't have. No, you you don't take apart someone's house if you have other options. This man's condition, his affliction, has brought him to the point where Jesus is his only option. It's pretty obvious on the face of this. And yet, brothers and sisters, it is hard to imagine what it's like for Jesus to be your only option, unless you've been there unless you've endured something where the only thing that kept you going was the knowledge that Jesus was out there, that he existed, that he was real, and yet you're still afflicted. I don't know if you ever waited in line somewhere, the DMV. The most desperate I've ever gotten waiting in line was trying to get a Social Security card for Peter, which is a long story that I won't bore you with. But three, four times in odd hours of the day, because that's the only time they're open, and I was getting desperate for a Social Security card. He wasn't paralyzed. He wasn't bedridden, and I was desperate. I understood why people go postal. Not endorsing it. I understood this was the only place I could get the Social Security card. And I brought the right stuff every time but it was the wrong stuff every time until I brought the right stuff. You get the idea. You become desperate when you're by someone's bedside and they're bedridden. You become desperate. Is he real? This is the condition of these men. They've taken the roof open. I love this picture. This is why I think this is such a popular sermon to give. Because it's such a such a vivid picture the way mark describes it when they'd broken it up now that probably just means they removed the tiles but it's still somewhat deconstructive as it were and and you're standing here and this thing comes down in front oh the drama right it's amazing what great friends they are they're desperate friends they've nowhere else to go this is it And you hope beyond hope that Jesus is who he said he is. And then you hear this. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Wait, what? Your sins are forgiven you. Imagine the collective disappointment. That's not why we're here, Jesus. We're not here to get our sins forgiven. We're here to get this man legs. Imagine the collective disappointment. Jesus, do you see him? That's kind of a tone-deaf response, Jesus, with this guy laying here right in front of you. Wait, no, you must see him. We lowered him down right in front of you. We did that so that you would get close to him. But, but what if you aren't who we thought that you were? What if you can't heal? But no, that can't be it, because we know you healed other people. What if you don't want to heal? This one. What if he's just here to make a point? Jesus, it's easy for you to postulate about the forgiveness of sins. You're not lying here paralyzed, desperate, in need. Perhaps you can relate. Maybe you have been disappointed in Jesus, felt like he didn't see you laying there paralyzed, while he and his servants postulated about the forgiveness of sins and talked about how all your needs would be met in Christ and yet you lay here paralyzed by fear, by anxiety, by frustration, by physical ailments, by whatever it is, you lay here paralyzed. Does he even see me? Imagine the scribes. Confusion that leads to doubt. They're processing You hear that? Son, your sins are forgiven you. And and we don't know what the circumstances are, but in this moment, perhaps Jesus went on talking, we don't know. doesn't appear to be that case. They immediately begin to ask themselves, "What what what is he saying? You can't say that to a man. Do you have any idea the theological implications of what you're saying to this man? Do you know Are you insensitive? Are you just trying to manipulate him? We all know how the forgiveness of sins happens. It happens after a serious process of sacrifice and and repentance and bringing these things. And that's how you get the forgiveness of sins. We have a process. The scribes are looking, what about the process? And this man just says, Your sins are forgiven. What gives you the right to blurt something like that out? You're a carpenter, son. You don't look like someone who can forgive sins. It's easy for you to say your sins are forgiven. Talk is cheap. This is the setting of the riddle. And so then, Jesus, in his spirit, perceiving their reasoning recognizes this group is ready for the riddle. And so he gives it. He says, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? The obvious answer that Jesus' riddle identifies is one that had already come to their minds. Your sins are forgiven. Easy to say. Very easy to say. How do you back that up, Jesus? Why is this so, such an easy thing to say? Because it's unverifiable. No one can verify that. The scribes couldn't verify it, like they could with their system. You can't verify the forgiveness of sins. Jesus just says it. Does that make it real? We can't measure the forgiveness of sins. Only God can. So so how do you expect us to believe what you're saying? Only God can do that. We can't make sure that what you're saying is right. We can't confirm or deny this. We just have to take your word for it. And that's too easy. That's too easy. It's got to be harder than that. This is the forgiveness of sins we're talking about. This is a big deal. It's got to be harder than that. Why so hard? Why Why is it harder to say, get up and walk? Well, we can verify that. Why would it be harder for a cripple to get up and walk? Well, that's a really hard thing because we measure it as being hard. That's an impossible thing we can verify. Do you see what Jesus' riddle has exposed? If we can't measure it, it's easy. It's easy to say. If it's impossible for us to measure, it's easy to say. And we are the standard of measurement, not you, Jesus. We are the standard of measurement. And we are the same. Brothers and sisters, as these scribes, we say to our God, we say to Jesus, you talk about the forgiveness of sins, but that's too easy. I need to see some change. I need to see somebody get up and walk before I will verify that they have been forgiven. It's too easy, Jesus. I need to see change in my own life to believe that you've forgiven me. I need to be able to verify somehow that you are who you say you are. I want to believe you, but come on, give me something. I'm still lying here paralyzed. I'm still struggling. I'm still weighed down. And we are exposed. This is baseline theology that we miss all of the time. Brothers and sisters, what is the basis of the forgiveness of our sins? That we can walk? That we can walk? That our marriage is good? That, that, that we are attaining to greater and greater levels of sanctification? What is the basis of the forgiveness of sins? That we are enduring and, and, and pursuing the hard things in life? On what, on what basis do we offer to other people the forgiveness of sins? That they go to church? That they've cleaned up their lives? That, that they're joining the organizations that match our assumptions? That they can walk? What is the basis of the forgiveness of sins? If we're not careful, we can seek To say, it's too easy for you to say, my sins are forgiven. We need to verify that somehow. And we have the cart before the horse. The scribes are sitting here saying, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's too easy for him to say this. The basis of the forgiveness of sins, of our forgiveness of sins, is exposed by Jesus' riddle. The basis of the forgiveness of our sins is that the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, said, Son, Daughter, your sins are forgiven you. Full stop. Full stop. That's it. Your sins are forgiven. Do we recognize that? How quickly we run to add to it. Well, he's got to show some movement in his foot. Come on. Come on. Move your foot. His, in, his condition has to improve somehow. Quickly. Quickly. Improve. And then we'll know that Jesus has that power. And, and indeed, we feel that oftentimes. How do I know I'm forgiven? It's too easy just to say that he said so. Jesus, I don't feel like I'm any better than I was last week. How do I know I'm forgiven? I feel like I'm I'm continuing to labor and not getting beyond my bed. I'm bedridden in my sin. How do I know that I'm forgiven? It's too easy for you to say, your sins are forgiven you, and that's it? And he says to us, Too easy? That's only as you measure it. And he extends his hands and he shows us just how hard it is to say it because they're pierced. There's holes in them where he bore the wrath of God. And we say, Oh, it's because it's impossible to measure an infinite debt that we think it's too easy. It's beyond comprehension. And we don't recognize how hard it was to say that. We're measuring it by our measurements. It comes with an infinite price, and one that we don't have the capacity to verify. And we are the measurement, so we seek to find something to replace it. Is there some way we can verify that, that, that I've been forgiven, that someone else has been forgiven? How do I verify this? And he says, this is how you verify it. But Jesus, that's too easy. I, I have to have something, some way to say that I have been good enough to be... No. No. <laughs> he comes again and again and again. And he says, no, this is the basis of the forgiveness of sins. But Jesus, I haven't changed. I'm still struggling. I'm still broken. I'm still paralyzed. And you've given me a lot to swallow. It's hard to believe. And he knows that too. And this is what's amazing. In his grace, in his mercy, in his kindness, he says, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we take the evidence the fruit of the forgiveness of sins and we try to use it to to say, well, this is the basis. It's easy for us to do, constantly we do it. But we get the cart before the horse. The basis of the forgiveness of our sins is that Jesus said it. That's it. Don't let anything else creep into that. Don't let anything else try to tell you that you have to do something else. That you have to somehow perform in some way to to make sure that you really are forgiven. The only basis is that Jesus said it. And then, out of his great mercy and his great kindness, he gives us all sorts of fruits, all sorts of evidences, all sorts of things that show the life that is inside of us. Sometimes he heals people, and we go, That's amazing. That was a miracle. Why didn't he save me? There's different paths for different people. For this particular man, it was there so that everyone may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. We have to be very careful. Or we will get the cart before the horse and we'll have the fruit trying to be the root. It doesn't work like that. Our message to a world that's in desperate condition And honestly, a church that's full of skeptics is which is easier to say? Which is easier to say? How do you measure it? Do you measure it with your measuring rod? Are you trying to measure whether people are forgiven with your measuring rod or with God's? Are you trying to determine an infinite need with a finite measuring rod. We have to remember that the need that we have that seems so hard to fix is only pointing us to the deeper need that's impossible to fix. The one that's so hard for us to come to terms with. Our own paralysis. Our own blindness. Our own brokenness. Our own besetting sins. Whatever it is that's brought you to a desperate place to need Jesus and if you aren't there understand but when we're in that place and we're finding ourselves confined and we're desperately seeking him and he says your sins are forgiven you it can be tempting to think that's not what I'm here for I'm here for a good marriage I'm here for friends I'm here for a nice life I'm here so I can work hard at my job. I'm not here for forgiveness of sins. I'm 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 here so that you can fix the really hard things in my life. No. All of these things that we labor under and 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 strive against, the things that close us in, the things that reveal our sin are designed to bring us to a desperate place where we recognize that it's the easy questions that we need answers for what is easier to be healed of all of our earthly troubles or to be forgiven for us to be healed of all of our earthly troubles that sounds really hard to be forgiven is easy for jesus is just the opposite he could heal you right now but to forgive you he had to die Let's make sure we're measuring things as he would measure them. And then he becomes life itself. And all of the hard things in life, well, oddly enough, they become easier. Because we've gotten things in the right order. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you would please help us to understand when we are still paralyzed and still struggling and the hard things in life have weighed us down, we pray that you would help us to see who you are and and what those things are to point us to. They're to point us to, to you, our only hope, the one who has solved our greatest need by paying an infinite price. We pray this in Christ.